0: You're listening to Kelowna Park Alliance Church. Well, good morning. Kind of subdued this morning, but that's okay. I get it. Well, if you don't know who I am, that's okay. I forgive you. Um, my ego is can handle it, I guess. Um, if, for those of you who don't know me, I like to make fun of myself, and that's okay. Uh, my name is Jordan. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here, um, and I have the privilege today of kind of starting. Oh yeah, if you're in junior high, you can get out of here. Um, I have the privilege today of starting kind of a new little mini series um, that we're doing today. Oh, I forgot my clicker. Can some can you can someone please bring me that? That would be awesome. Um, uh, this story, yeah, it's it's called Prepare. Essentially, this series is about getting us ready for summer. Um, And thank you so much, Chris. Uh, This series is about getting us kind of ready for our summer services. Uh, And for those of us who have, uh, have you ever grown up camping? Was that a family tradition? Who grew up camping? Okay, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes I'm just I don't know what to do because it's just like yeah all right. My my family we, every summer at the last week of August we always went camping together, and uh, the memories that I have of camping range from being really bored um, to setting up in pouring rain, which is awful. Uh, yeah, um, or and then they range from like uh, just having a great time with my family around the fire playing volleyball with my sister uh, and being annoyed by my little sister when she tried to play. Um, and if you have a little sister just as a side, they think you're like the coolest person in the world so like please don't uh, please don't ignore them because uh, you don't want to wait till later in life to become friends with them. Anyway, <laughs> for all you little siblings out there you're welcome. Um, but you realize very quickly when you go camping, that if you're not prepared and you don't have a list of things to bring, uh, things can go awry quickly. And like the most important, if you're, especially if you're going camping with a group of people, who is cooking what on which day is very important. Unless you want to eat buns, right? Uh, it is, I mean, you could be surprised, right, if you're not prepared um, and have a pool as a tent instead, if you would like that, if you forget your tarp. But that is not ideal. So today, what I want to do is I kind of want to, as we talk about our coming summer experience, I kind of want to talk about uh, getting a list together of what we, can, what we can bring. And when I first heard about the summer plan, uh, what first came to mind is when Jesus asked his disciples to go out and preach the good news. And not, this, not, the, not the Great Commission, not the last time, but the first time. In, uh, in Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke, in 6, 9, and 10, respectively, Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs to go and gave them the charge to bring the good news to people. Uh, and we've been, we have been learning about life with God, all right, in the different postures, enjoying community, and having a great time here. And just like the disciples, uh, we are now given a chance to put into practice the things that we have been learning. So what I wanted to do today is I wanted to read this, uh, I'm going to read it in, in Mark and Luke, what Jesus uh, asked them to bring on this adventure of theirs, and then we're going to see how it applies to us. So if you want to turn to Mark 6 with me, or if you just want to listen, that works too. Mark 6, 7 is where I am. we are we we there? I think so. Close enough. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing on their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed uh, with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's that's, uh, Mark. And if I go to Luke, I want to read it again in Luke. This is Luke 9. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over... All demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, nor bread, nor bag, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And and whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Awesome. So we're going to go through two lists. This is the plan. I've, I kind of see two lists here. What Jesus asked them to bring and what Jesus did not ask them to bring. So what did Jesus ask them to bring? Well, he asked them to bring the kingdom of God to the people. He ask them to Repent. So in earlier in Mark 1.14, after John was put in prison, uh, Jesus said this. He said, The kingdom has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He said the kingdom of God has come near. And if the disciples were asked to proclaim the kingdom, then it would be helpful to get an idea of what it is. And don't worry, I went back and looked at the stories uh, leading, up to the uh, up, leading up to the call to go call to go and pulled a rough overview of at least Mark because uh, that's just a lot of stuff. So I'm going to go through a list, and here it goes. It goes, uh, it starts with Jesus driving out an unclean spirit. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus goes on a preaching tour. Jesus heals a leper, then he heals a paralytic. He calls Levi or Matthew. He clashes with the Pharisees. He keeps healing people. He gives the Sermon on the Mount, gives a bunch of parables about lamps, about a lamp and a bunch of seeds. He calmed the storm. He kicked out more demons. He brings a dead girl to life, was rejected by his hometown, and finally he sent out his disciples. So I started paraphrasing towards the end because he kind of did a lot of stuff. But through all of these different stories, I saw a couple categories that I thought would be helpful. So, this is what I said. The, the kingdom of God is like healing and restoration, presence, and faith. These are the three themes. So, let's start with healing and restoration. When Jesus went around with, uh, to meet people, he made time to make sure uh, that he was healing them. But his feeling wasn't only just physical. He healed them spiritually and socially. When, he t- when, he touched the, well, when the woman touched his cloak in Mark five twenty one to 34 not only were her wounds healed, because she was bleeding a lot, like she was continuously uh, bleeding, through that healing, she was actually able to re-enter into society. When the man who was tormented by the demon legion in Mark 5 uh, was set free, he was able to go into the cities again, actually engage in his life. He wasn't harming himself anymore. And he was asked to speak about what Jesus had done. His life was saved physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Same with the story of the paralytic in Mark 1, or Mark 2, 1 to 12. He is healed physically, but Jesus also adds that extra line. And he said, Your sins are forgiven. And finally, the story of the leper in Mark 1. Jesus goes out of his way to touch a man who has been rejected. And kicked out of society. Even if it was for a a good cause. So you see in all of these stories of Jesus when bringing healing, this is all part of the kingdom of God. It is about bringing total restoration. Spiritual, physical, and social. When Jesus asked them to repent and believe, he was calling them to believe in the fulfillment of their faith. So the next one will be presence. This one is kind of straightforward, right? The disciples had the opportunity to be physically present with Jesus. Right? But one of the stories I think that really speaks to presence is the story uh, when Jesus calls Matthew or Levi the tax collector. He goes, into his, he goes to the booth and says, Levi, come follow me. Then we see Jesus at a dinner with Levi and his tax collector friends and, and a bunch of sinners who uh, the Pharisees called scum. Jesus put himself into Levi's world. Right? Levi was called into a new life. And in that new life, he invited Jesus into his house and said, hey, you've got to meet my friends. And instead of uh, Levi and Jesus being distanced from his former life, Jesus enters into Levi's world when invited. And Jesus was present in the lives of those who would have him. The leper is another great example of this. Jesus chose to be physically present with someone uh, who everyone wanted to be away from. And when Jesus raised that girl to life in Matthew, in Mark 5, he was invited into the synagogue leader's house. He constantly entered into people's spaces when invited. When Simon and Peter were first invited, uh, recruited, so to speak, he went into their house and healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus accepted the invitation to be present by those seeking him. And time and time again, when Jesus saw people, he took the time not to look past or to hurry, but instead was invited to be with them. So when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, when you enter place stay there until you leave the place and when i when i read that i kind of uh, i read it like this be present with the people you are spreading the good news with the next one is faith and now a lot of us coming off of you know the idea of presence a lot of us would have thought maybe you have maybe you haven't about with some envy that Following Jesus would be easier if he was right beside you. Even even with Jesus present, the disciples had their share, their fair share of confusion. You know, he did all these miraculous and awesome things. But yet in Mark 4, 35, when Jesus calms the storm, the disciples literally had Jesus with them and they still began to panic. The disciples were so quick to forget his character, they They literally asked him, do you not care that we are dying? He was in the bottom of the boat. And thankfully, Jesus gave them a strong talking to, because when things got difficult, where their heart was was actually revealed. They had a hard time knowing that when things got hard, Jesus was just right there with them. Jesus was asking them to have greater faith. With every healing, every teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the parable of the sower and the seeds, all of these things, Jesus was showing who He was, why He was sent and why He is worthy of faith. So when Jesus sent out his disciples, he's, he was asking them to have faith in His mission and His identity. We're just saying, "Never let go of me, right? Not to give in to fear To remember and rely on the presence of Jesus in our lives. And the disciples had it firsthand, and even they struggled. So, hopefully, that makes you feel a little better. Just a little bit. Because we don't want to, like, you know, sandbag the disciples and then feel better about ourselves. But at the same time, it's okay if you're like, all right, I can struggle with my faith a little bit. Especially if the people who are right beside them felt that way. So, A quick overview of what Jesus asked the disciples to bring on their adventure, healing and restoration, his presence, and faith. So now we get to the more fun part, I guess. What did Jesus want them to leave behind? Take nothing on your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. The list is pretty straightforward, right? Don't bring anything extra. Well, maybe a staff. Who knows? But it's more than that. It says do not take anything that will sustain you. No food, no money, no clothes, no extra clothes. How many of you have ever seen a show called Alone before? Right? It's an excellent survival show. The, the challenge is you have to be alone for as long as you can and you get 10 items. That's it. Um, the longest I've seen someone survive without food was seven days, and they, could, they got sick of eating grasshoppers. Right? So you can imagine being sent out in a day and age where they didn't have a flint or a handy handsaw, it would be a lot more difficult to feed yourself, especially if picking grain uh, is considered breaking the law on Sabbath and you're really hungry. So what is the point then? What is Jesus really asking them to leave behind? I think his disciples were asked to leave behind their their ideas of self-reliance and safety. Jesus is asking them to leave their lives in the hand of the Father. When all the extras are gone, there's only one name that is glorified at the end. And it's not the disciples' name or their doing, but God's name and his doing. Remember, it is the kingdom of God being proclaimed, not the disciples. And this temptation, by the way, is incredibly easy for all of us to step into. Because once things get going well, maybe in our career or at school or in our church, it can be easy to focus the attention on ourselves and what we're doing instead of the one who called us to those places and what he is doing. Now, I especially feel this uh, because when things are going well in in the areas of ministry that I'm responsible for, it can be very easy for me to let my ego slip in there and be like, oh, it's because of, of what I'm doing or because of X, Y, and Z. So I have to remember to throw out that thinking and remember that it's not even my youth group, right? It's God's youth group and they're his kids. So if you feel... Like, you know, if, like, whoa, well, take it easy. Don't worry, I struggle with this as well, okay? I'm, I'm right in there with you. But there are a couple other things that Jesus didn't want his disciples to take on their mission, other than just the material. Jesus also demonstrated that he didn't want his disciples to bring the attitude and the viewpoint of the Pharisees. So, leading up to the disciples' call, there's a, there's a block of stories uh, in Mark 2 and 3 deal with Jesus interacting with Pharisees. And if you don't know what a Pharisee is, a Pharisee in those days was a teacher of the law. They spent a lot of their time studying it um, and researching it, applying it to other people, and in general feeling better than everyone else. So some of the stories, uh, just a quick breakdown. Uh, we have when Matthew was called and the interaction with dinner, they were the disciples had questions about fasting, and there's a lot of stuff about the Sabbath about healing on the Sabbath about eating on the Sabbath, and what's interesting is that a lot of what the Pharisees were trying to do in the, in these stories is that they were trying to catch Jesus breaking the law, and especially the Sabbath laws. The Pharisees got got upset that the disciples were having a snack on their Sunday. Uh, the story about fa- um, what is it? The story about fasting? No, not the story about fasting the disciples were walking along picking grain and having a snack. And the Pharisees said, well, you guys are harvesting grain. Right? By the, by the letter of the law, they were kind of right, right? They, they were technically harvesting. But they were kind of missing the point. I think we can all agree on that. When Jesus was in the temple, there was a man with a withered hand And the the Pharisees were looking like, are you going to heal him?" And when Jesus asked them a question, is it lawful to do good to save life on the Sabbath? Or is it, they kind of got all clammed up because they're like, well, I guess maybe. Because they were allowed to heal or save life. Sorry, not heal. There was a provision in the law that you could save someone's life on the Sabbath. That work was okay. But Was healing someone's withered hand really healing, like saving them? So when Jesus called them out for their hypocrisy, he told the man to reach out his hand and it was healed. And you know the reaction? It was not, wow, this is incredible. It was, let's go figure out how to destroy him. They literally got murderous. See, the Pharisees were so stuck in the law that when Jesus showed them what the fulfillment of the law looked like, they couldn't see past the familiar. Now, each one of these stories shows that the Pharisees were so concerned about following the rules that they missed the point of the rules entirely. Now, I preached on this a while ago about life under God, if it sounds familiar, See, so yeah, the Pharisees missed what the, Sabbath was really, what the Sabbath was really about, what the law was really about. The Sabbath was about an invitation into the presence of God. And Jesus reinforces this point when he rebukes the Pharisees saying, you may know this saying, it's kind of famous, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So when Jesus sent out his disciples he wanted them to go without the attitude of the Pharisees. He wanted them to go without relying on themselves or material things and he wanted them to be fully dependent on God. Because ultimately when Jesus sent out his disciples he wanted them to go with God to proclaim God's kingdom. So that's both lists. We have what God wanted to bring and what Jesus wanted them to bring and what I believe Jesus didn't want them to bring. And hopefully, as we were going through it, you were able to see what are the things we can bring into our summer. And hopefully, you were also able to see what things we we maybe need to leave behind as we enter into our summer. And I wanted to leave you with a bit of inspiration about the results of what happened to the disciples. Right after this section of Scripture, it says this in Luke now, the, now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago had come back to life. That was the result of the disciples going out and proclaiming the gospel, and healing, and bringing restoration. Man, can you imagine if the people around us spoke about, like, spoke about us like that? if the people around you spoke about you like that, like, I feel like that is such an encouraging thing is that we have an opportunity to do this. And if that seems impossible, which I understand, because it's kind of a big thing to be compared to a prophet of the Old Testament, or maybe even Elijah. I guess they're the same. When I was at a I was at our district conference this week. Um, it's where all the uh, not all the pastors, but a lot of the pastors come together. We do our own big annual meeting. All the old people like to say, you know, they, we make jokes in our annual meeting about yays and nays and all that stuff. But the best part of it was that uh, they had these devotions, these sermons. And in these sermons, there was a, a quote that, a bunch of quotes that really stood out to me, but one of them in particular. I think this quote is Tim Keller. I'm not sure. I just wrote it down. I didn't write who wrote it. It says, it, uh, "It said, we have the privilege of an impossible task, so that in the end, God alone is glorified." And we, we just sang about that, right? Is He worthy? He is. Does He reign? He does. Right. So this is what excites me about the summer: is that we have an invitation. To bring the kingdom of God to those around us in a different way. We get to, like the disciples, we get to practice proclaiming the good news to our neighbors, to ourselves. We get to actually have a season of Sabbath and purpose where we can actually pursue the presence of God and we can pursue the presence of God with others. And I just I want to qualify that last statement. We pursue the presence of God here and now. We don't need Wednesdays for that. Okay? But sometimes I feel like, a, you know, an internship, a short-term missions trip can be formative. How many people have been or know someone who's been on a YWAM experience? Or a year one experience? And often people come back Changed. These disciples came back changed. We can come back changed. So we have that invitation. So please bring these things to your neighbors. But also, please experience these things. Please bring and experience healing and restoration. Please bring and experience God's presence. In a season where we get to exercise our faith to glorify the one who is worthy I want to read two pieces of scripture with you to end our time it is a form of benediction This is Romans 15:5 May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in according in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may glorify with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So let's pray. And I hope you feel inspired and excited about the possibilities of bringing the kingdom of God to those around us. God, thank you for this morning. And God, thank you that we get to come together to to learn, to hear, but more importantly, to worship and glorify your name. So God, as we go and get ready for the summer, God, show us how we need to prepare. Show us the things we need to take with us and show us the things we need to leave behind. God, we are honored to be a part of your plan for, for Kilcona, to be a part of your uh, your, your plan for, for this city and for our neighborhood. We love you and we thank you in your name, amen. And if you need prayer, then please come and get prayer. It's available to you. It would be fantastic. Go in peace. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you live in person Sundays at 10 a.m. For more information, please visit us at www.kilcona.org.